Hello there, and welcome to another very special episode of the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Uh, today on hosting duties is myself, Dan, and as always, Chris is here with me. How are you doing, Chris? All right, thank you. And we have a very special guest joining us today, uh, Star Wars author who has written books such as uh, Last Shot, uh, Midnight Horizon, has written the High Republic Adventures comics. We are, of course, joined by Daniel Jose Older. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to chat to you. Excellent. My pleasure. Great. I mean, so we'll, we'll jump, jump straight in, Daniel, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Can you please tell us about your first encounter with Star Wars? Like, were you a fan and where and how did your Star Wars journey start? Oh, yeah. So my very first one, I was three years old, uh, Return of the Jedi, first movie I saw in the movie theaters, um, completely blew my mind, absolutely terrified me. Ran out of the theater during the Rancor part. You know, I have a theory that that people are drawn to what they're terrified by as children, yeah. because like I, I just I want I'm. It's only anecdotal, but I just have been noticing that some you know people are in the field of the thing that terrified them, and I, I literally ran out of the theater. I remember running out of the theater, and I remember going back and going back and going back and going back. You know, over and over. I saw it so many times. And then the next step, though, really on that adventure, besides action figures, of course, like that was yeah. that was our fan fiction. You know what I mean? Like we didn't have a, a archive of our own, but we had those little Mattel, you know, plastic figures or whatever the company was. And, um, you know, so we made up stories with those guys like I've been writing Star Wars my whole life on one level. And but what, what really pulled me in further was they did a documentary about the making of Return of the Jedi. And it was always Jabba's palace that really most like drew me in. And and then after that, that really clinched it because seeing the foam and the latex and the eye mechanics and yeah. the puppeteers and the level of like care and, and, and chaos that went into all of those parts just absolutely blew my mind. And, and, and I just loved it. Like I wanted to make creatures for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, I wanted to just hang out with creatures. Like I just, it was so cool to me. And you know, I was a Muppet kid too. I was a Sesame Street kid, so those all kind of like combined. But th- that was the big—that was the big moment for me. Um, I, I, I still think about it. Like I think it really changed my life. I mean, that explains your kind of like really colorful characters that you yeah. have in your books, totally. uh, and the colorful language, and that absolutely makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at both of my Marvel one shots are almost a hundred percent creature <laughs> yeah i was gonna yeah, say max rebo <laughs> and, the, and the max rebo i don't think there's any people like there might not be any people in the max rebo comic except leia and silhouette and like you know the return of the jedi cast but like yeah that's it i love i love those monsters man that's that must so have been a bit of a dream actually to write that max rebo comic considering you've always been so into totally. Jabba's palace totally totally in fact my first my first anything that i did professionally for star wars was a short story for the uh, 40th anniversary a new hope collection yeah. right the first time they did from a certain point of view and i really wanted to do you know the bith guys the um the band in the cantina i was like that time. you know yeah i would like that would be my jam because i'm a musician and because they're monsters like it's perfect for me and they were taken and then like the other guy i wanted was taken and everyone in the cantina was taken. i was just like because you know that cantina was that was a new hope's job as palace yeah. And so that's how I ended up doing like the third stormtrooper from the left or whatever. <laughs> Good story but, though, um, born in the storm. I had fun with it, obviously. Yes, born in the storm. And um, I had a good time, but that, it made it kind of a full circle moment to get to do a Max Rebo comic 
like you know as we come up on the 40th or as we hit the 40th anniversary of uh, return of the jedi um that was really that was really something special great and um you sort of touched on it a little bit there with that um from a certain point of view but how, how did your journey writing for star wars come about um i mean i'm assuming it was a, an honor to get started but so how did that really? journey start and how did it progress <laughs> yeah yeah beyond an honor i didn't even know I didn't know what to do with myself because, like I said, lifelong fan, and whew, I think there was a resurgence for me personally. I can say, like you know, um, the Force Awakens really awoke a new era of fandom within me for Star Wars, and it yeah. was just a really amazing way. So I was just you know fully in it at that moment, and uh, you know, I'd put out a couple books, and I was well into my career um, or, or early early in my career. Um, but I just remember getting the email and my agent being like, yeah, so Star Wars reached out. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, what? I think I responded to like first words. What the F and G, X, Y, Z, you know, like I went, that's went crazy. And, and, and then as I calmed down, you know, okay, yes, I'm going to do it. But yeah, I don't care who I write, whatever, you know, so that set in. And then I just, I told him as, you know, is kind of the, one of the professional moves you make. I was like, Please let them know that if they have a novel coming down the pipelines that they want written, you know, I'm available. Like, I'm right here. You know, you know my name. You have my number. So a couple months later, they were like, so we have this um, Han and Lando. And that's all I know about what they said, because I literally stopped reading the email after that point. <laughs> fell on the floor. Like, I literally, I, to this day, I don't know what the rest of the email said. I never read the whole thing. Because I was like, yes, yes, just do it. You know, and shout out to my agent um, at the time because it's very easy for a writer to get themselves in a bad situation with something where we're that big a fan. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I was ready to write it for however much money, and he was like, "Well, what if we go back and ask for this?" And I was like, "Okay, but what if they?" You know, like, they just, nobody, <laughs> no one has ever canceled a publishing offer because you asked for more money. They just say no, but in this case, they said yes. So I got a little more money on top of that. Nice. This is nice lesson to writers out there do not take the first offer no matter how much you want to do it yes at least ask for more and see what happens please so i you know that um that turned that was last shot and that um i had a lot of fun writing but i did have that moment where i was like oh god like you know han and lando like these icons and i just didn't know i said yes mind you but i didn't i didn't know if i was gonna be able to do it um mm. i figured out figured out I, I should say i didn't know how hard it would be i didn't know if writing it would become less like constant uphill like uh, uh, every line but to take it back to where we started i had been having these characters in my head and, and literally making up stories about them for my entire life and so when yeah. i sat down to write it was very clear immediately when i would put a line down i could hear you know william december williams saying those words or not you know i could hear the voices of the actors that, that are so iconic and and if it was there it was there and if it wasn't i would cut the line right yeah yeah I mean, if you don't want me asking, who are you more excited to write, Han or Lando? Oh, <laughs> I think it's it's a great question. I think it's a tie. If I'm really, really honest, I love them both in very different ways. Yeah. What I love about them too, as a pair, is that they're those are two. They're sort of really, um, I think, symbolic of why Star Wars is so good. Is the two of them right? Because in a lesser movie with lesser storytellers, those two characters you would be able to merge them because they would fill the same space of the scoundrel in the mm -hmm. story. 
and they wouldn't be that differentiated. But Han and Lando are opposite ends of the world yeah. on so many levels. They're very, very different. The way they deal with themselves is different. The way they deal with women is different. The way they deal with the rebellion is different, but similar, right? They're foils for each other. And they're really interesting in that sense. And that's why it was such an exciting project to be able to trace their friendship over the course of decades and look at them as young, reckless men and then middle-aged, reckless men, but with families, you know, and like <laughs> see how that changed and see their friendship. Like I really wanted to, I knew immediately I wanted to have some cross like counterpoints and how they moved, right? So the first one I knew was I wanted to show each of them getting dressed in different ways and how different that must be experientially, like Lando dresses. Han throws crap on his body. You know what I mean? He just like grabs him. Yeah. And I, I personally have been both of those people at different moments in my life for different occasions, you know, and, and I've like identified with them in that way. And then I also wanted them to really have a real argument about something real, not just a manufactured plot point to create tension, but to get into some of that nitty gritty, because they've had a whole lifetime of friendship and we've seen on screen one of the times that they really fell out and did each other dirty. And both of them actually had really good reasons for taking the actions that they took. And that felt like a very potent conversation for them to have. And that's why we get into it some in the text. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's mm. great. And obviously the the villain in Last Shot as well is particularly interesting. I'd love to see that guy, some, some, some more on that guy again, because it was almost body horror, like Clive Barker and Star Wars. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was terrifying to write. Like, I wanted to initially meet him as someone who was sort of victimized, but you could see the seed of evil even in his moment of victimization. And then it, it went really south. You know? yeah, really. Like, it just gets this obsession and it like consumes him over decades and decades of time. I, I would love to see him, you know, see what happened to him in other stories because he's around for ages before they finally. Yeah. No spoilers. I mean, so on Instagram about a year or so ago, you shared your daily journey of writing a book in 30 days. Are you able to tell us which book that was? That was Midnight Horizon. We knew it was. Uh, Dan was just it. saying that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Which is extra insane. I was literally just looking at a picture. Someone posted that book on Instagram and a stack of other High Republic books. <laughs> that book is fat as hell. That is a big ass book. Yes, you it know? Really is. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't trying to hit a, I wasn't trying to hit any word count except the one that was given to me, which I think was like, I don't know, 70 or 80 K and it's got to be upwards of 90, but you know, <laughs> the story was moving. I couldn't stop it. It's not like you can be like, well, I hit my word count. That's the end of the book. It was a, it was a hard book to write, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I can mean, we, Dan, I mean, do you want to just ask you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Chris as well, but I'm a, I'm a huge Midnight Horizon fan. I absolutely love oh, that book to pieces. Uh, um, from like, what was what was for you the highlight of of writing that book? Was there a particular character that you just loved writing in that book? I mean, I'm assuming the answer might be a lot of them, but how was that or experience that? for you? No, you know, it's the balancing act of all of them combined that really made it fun. There, um, if, I don't know if I have a favorite, but it, they were all so different mm. and leaning into those differences. First of all, I knew I had to on a craft level to make sure they were differentiated um, because they are really different people. Ram and Reith, for example, are totally different kids. I mean, almost to the Lando Han conversation, you know, like they're, so they're both Padawans and they're both in, the, in a time of war and they're both similar in that they are more interested in their personal kind of getting away from things than being out in the world. But they're also extremely different and at different places in their lives. So figuring those nuances out, the really interesting thing was writing Cantam because their yes. story was totally improvised. I had no idea where it was going to go. 
and okay. yeah, and, and <laughs> that was fun and terrifying. The rest of the book I had very meticulously charted out because I knew I had to because I knew I had to write it in this really short amount of time. And I was like, I can't waste time plotting it when when I know you know I need to move. So I had plotted it out, like done a really good chapter by chapter outline. But every and I knew it, within each chapter what was going to happen except the Cantem chapters. And part of the reason for that is because the Cantem chapters being flashbacks, they could be free of all that. They didn't. They weren't as beholden to all the other chapters to fit into a you know very carefully crafted puzzle and make sense and chronology. All that was out the window. So that was the one place I was allowed to fully just flow. And the story that we're telling in that section is a story about flowing and and about you know following you know your heart and not the order and all these other pieces. So I knew that much. I knew I wanted Cantem to fall in love. And, you know, and probably leave the order and have adventures outside of all of that world. Um, but I didn't know where it would take them. And to the point that I got to the, I got to the end and I was like, oh, God, like, what was the point of all this? I know there was a point. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. And then I was like, Lula, like it really like snapped. Yeah. But I say that to say, like, as writers, we don't always know what we're doing. And sometimes we have to allow ourselves to not know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Not for nothing. I wasn't doing this on purpose, but this is kind of Reith's arc too. You know, he has to realize that there isn't a road. He has to make that road by walking, you know, and that's one of my writing mottos, first of all. But second of all, it's just true of life. Like you go out there and you don't, you can think, you know, you can pretend that there's a plan and it's all going to work out the way you have it, you know, but it's not. And, and the more that you allow for it not to be, the more you're allowed to be fluid and move with it. And that was really Cantan's lesson. You know, reads less in my own lesson as the writer, you know, to, to that allowed me to finish the book. Mm. Well, I, 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 for one, personally loved Cantum's story in that book. I thought they were amazing. So I think a lot of people to, did. They seem to connect yeah. with that more than anything else. Yeah, people really, so. people really grabbed onto that part. That part, I think that and Reith and Ram's friendship. Yeah, yeah Ram the bromance the there yeah. was amazing. <laughs> I was all for that. Yeah, it was a lot of, and then, and then Crash is one of my favorite characters to come out of that, like as a new character. Yeah. Um, You know, I wanted a a chaotic element, a one that was very steeply, starkly contrasting to the Jedi. It's all Jedi, basically, except Zine, who only has a couple chapters. So I really, and I really wanted an on the ground in Corellia element Mm -hmm. who could really like walk us through Corellian life, history, lore, mythology, everything, and really get that like entrenched that, you know, like Crash lives that. And it's not the same as having a character go and find out about it as to have one that's like in it, you know, and what better way than someone who runs a bodyguard company? Yeah, I'll be honest. That's the part that I really connected to because I've always been mm. a fan of street level Star Wars stories like Zoraida Cordova's Crash of Fate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I even tweeted you just before it came out because I had I was I had the advanced copy, so I had the chance to read it before it came out. But nice. um, I tweeted you being like, is that old man Paolo? Because I'm such a big Most Wanted fan, and you. Oh yeah, it, yeah, and I was like, yeah! I'm so happy you picked that up. Yeah, Listen, I, I when love I figured Most out Wanted. that I could get that in there, yes, <laughs> I love that. that's great. I actually emailed her and I was like, "What species do you think that he? What did you have a species in mind? Because she doesn't name check a species in Most Wanted." No, she and she was, she was like, "I was imagining him as a Lasat," and I was like, "Perfect!" Like, I got it. <laughs> boom, you know. So yeah, that's how that all happened. Uh, I, if I could just ask one more little Midnight Horizon question just before we move on to the next stuff. Uh, I love talking about Midnight Horizon. I had a great Yo- Yoda at the end of that book. Yes. How did it feel to be able to write 
in my opinion, the most badass Yoda moment ever. I love Thank it. That's a, that's a high honor. I, I don't take that lightly. <laughs> it was really hard. Mostly, um, it was fun writing it. The hardest part was that <laughs> there's, there's dual challenges in that. First of all, it was one of the first things we knew about the book. Before right. we knew it would be on Corellia, before we knew who the full cast and crew would be, we knew that Yoda would have this moment. The way I always thought of it, actually, it was as a reverse Vader at the end of Rogue One. When we see the lightsaber, yeah. Yeah. You know, that moment—that was like my that moment for Yoda. Basically, it was like the good the good guy shows up in the in the middle of hell, and it's like, Shh, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> like that. So, um, I knew that, and so I knew I was writing towards that moment, and to that end, I knew that Yoda—it's already like almost by definition a, a Deus Ex Machina. So, <laughs> like to lessen that, um, to lessen that. You know, it's like Yoda has to at least be a presence in the lives of the people in the story since he can't be a presence on the page. That's also one of the reasons we had those Cantem flashbacks. Yeah. That was a way to get Yoda on the page, you know, as an actual character moving and, and interacting with people. So it was like that. Obviously, everyone knows who Yoda is, but that's that moment still has to resonate right in the in the scope of the book itself. Mm-hmm. Right. It mm-hmm. includes like having everyone in the book have a relationship to Yoda on some level, even if they've never met him. It includes having the backstory of the fact that Yoda just went missing. Like we literally blew him out of the sky in, in adventures and he's gone, which by the way, nobody seemed to give a damn about. <laughs> we blew up Yoda. I know obviously he lives, but it does no one care. <laughs> we care, but we, we're like completionists. Thank you. No, guys. Right, <laughs> so. right. Everyone's like, he'll be fine. He's on a walkabout, whatever. I was like, no, he, he, he blew up whatever but um so you know all that history has to be in there and be alive in the story for that for that yoda moment at the end to really hit otherwise it's just kind of like oh cool like yoda showed up you know but like i really wanted it to matter i think having yoda be kantev's master and us getting to see yoda in that master you know mentor relationship with kantem and then that moment being told specifically from kantem's point of view in the darkest Mm -hmm. hour of the battle you know were all pieces that i needed to put into place for all this to work yeah yeah, great. Th- thanks for thanks for chatting Midnight Horizon with us because that was one of the things Literally I was most excited about. <laughs> yeah, <me too. laughs> my, my pleasure. <laughs> um, I, hope, I mean, this I'm not sure if the answer to this question could just be what we've just talked about, but of all the Star Wars stories that you've written, um, have you had one? Is there one that was your particular favorite to write or one that you're particularly proud of how it came sure. out? <sighs> I think, well, definitely, if we're just talking books, Midnight Horizon is definitely that. Um, it was in part because it was the, the it was the peak of a lot of storytelling that led up to it, you know. And the challenge there was, like, making all of that storytelling stand on its own and, and also lead into Midnight Horizon. That's why the last issue of Adventures ends on that triumphant beat of hope and of them being knighted and for light and life, because that's really the end of that story. That's a complete story, you know, and everyone who's a part of the High Republic fandom knows that there's more to it. They're literally about to dock on Starlight. So there's, mm-hmm. there's an ominousness to it for people who know. But if you just pick up those books randomly, you'll get a full story with full arcs of these characters, you know, becoming knights and these characters maybe deciding they're not sure they want to be knights. All this, there's an arc there. So that was part of why that happened. Um, but I also knew, you know, I'd be leading up to this novel and that meant separating characters out and, and having some amount of overlap um, and in a way, the answer is the entire arc from all of adventures, including Race to Crash Point Tower and landing on Midnight Horizon. That in itself, to me, I treated it like a body, like a single body of work on many levels, but one right. that also had to stand alone. 
Um, so in, in one way, I would say phase one is the answer. Am I working phase one? Um, yeah. And then I, uh, this is like, I'm always excited about what I'm working on right now, but the, the phase three is blowing my mind. Like <laughs> I, I'm so excited about what's coming and when, how the, I mean, across the board and with my own work specifically. Um, but then I also don't want to leave out like phase two was a lot of fun. All the, I, I just, High Republic is just, it's High Republic. Yeah. <laughs> just a High Republic generally. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, Channel Shadows is some of my own favorite of my oh. own work. Yeah, I'm. I feel very connected to all of it. It's not just like I'm proud of it. I also feel really connected to it, you know, emotionally. So, yeah, great. I mean, we, like I said, we spoke to Justina Island last week, um, and she sort of gave us some teasers for for phase three of what's coming. Um, and she said that it was. We actually we asked her to sum it up in a, a couple of words, didn't we, Dan? And she said yeah. triumphant. I mean, do you? Can you confirm that's correct? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Absolutely. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that is not the word I would go with. I mean, I don't disagree with her. You know, we have different corners of the galaxy, but um, I don't know what word I would pick. It wouldn't be triumphant. I mean, there's elements of everything in there. No, I wouldn't say that either. It's like, I, I guess the best way I can think of it is like everything that happened in phase one, I think for us as writers, I'll speak for myself. For me as a writer, so much that happened in phase one felt like, like, we were honing our skills for what was going to happen in phase three. Mm. Okay. Like, which isn't to say that it's a repeat at all. It's not, but like everything is heightened just the way, like any sequel, you know, has to like up the, up the stakes and expand the world. Those are two things that a sequel really has to do. You know, phase three in a, in a very real way is a sequel to phase one and, and everything is more. So on the one level, it's like a, it's like a return of the Jedi, you know, um, which is obviously a third in a trilogy, but you know, because we're also, it's a trilogy and we're at the third point. So all those things are at play. And I think there is a certain resonance with the Return of the Jedi on a number of levels. Um, there's just a lot going on, fellas. <laughs> so what you're saying is phase three is aliens to phase one is an alien. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Bigger? Yes. More yes. action packed. Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. Go with that. Canon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're known um, primarily for pushing the boundaries of the more whimsical and zany aspects of Star Wars. Um, I know. I know. I didn't write this question, so you can thank our colleagues. No, no, I, I, I don't disagree. I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so how do you balance that? How do you decide how far you push it? Right. No, I, that's a great question because it is a balancing act. And some of it unfortunately is vibes you know yeah <laughs> so the because it, it's like how do you know you don't um in a way my answer goes back to uh the way i was thinking about han and lando and writing them and and being able to hear it happening on screen you know so uh i think that's a very good kind of marker for me anyway i i, I just imagine like you know when i was writing midnight horizon could i see this actually being a star wars movie or an episode of clone wars you know like is that is that real um, does that translate to the screen in a way that f would still feel like Star Wars? Mm -hmm. And granted, that's a wide range of things, right? Star Wars is everything from, well, you know, you know uh, how wide that is. But there is a range there. You know, there are things that feel not Star Wars. And you know them when they happen because they jump out at you and you're like, ah! And the, the trickiest <laughs> part is that's different for everybody, right? Like different people have different experiences of Star Wars and what takes them out and what puts them in. And so you can't write for everybody. Otherwise, what you get is sludge, you know, just like a bunch of vague nonsense. 
so you have to make decisions and sometimes they're hard decisions and you have to really have an ear for what makes sense and what feels feels right vibes wise as far as star wars and that is tricky because at the same time that's always intention with what you just said which is that we still want to push forward right we don't want star wars shouldn't be stagnant it doesn't sit still um because the world Mm -hmm. doesn't sit still the world that we're riding into and we can't sit still um because it'll get boring if we try to do something that's just the same thing over and over whether that's thematically tonally you know like whatever i mean i think the to me like uh the force awakens is such a great example of like of like um quoting almost and you know the the whole rhymes thing of course but using so many of the themes from the original trilogy but also pushing them forward in new ways in lots of new ways across the board and like still it feels so fresh it feels so new and and it also feels so resonant to that world and that's the balance right there you know so it's like you're gunning for that balance and knowing that gives a kind of a true north but it's a very wide and vague true north which is both good and bad yeah i mean i i agree i mean just to use your example of The Force Awakens, I think your work um, sort of echoes that moment in The Force Awakens where um, Kylo Ren has Poe Dameron um, at the beginning of the movie and there's, oh, a, yeah. there's, a, there's a beat and he goes... Uh, you got started on my start. first. Did you have heard that? I quote that song. When I first saw that, I it blew yeah. my mind. I was like, oh my God, yeah. there's wit in Star Wars again. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, I love yeah. that. And I think yeah. your work is similar to that. In my opinion thank you thank you yeah I, I mean i aim for that i think the thing is like with the like with the picture you know you want to have you want your darks to be really dark but you you need that contrast to get your lights to really pop you know and you also need everything in between otherwise it just looks like a, either it looks like a wash or it looks like extremely high contrast like they're shining a, a spotlight on something and if that's not you know that's not reality yeah. unless it is so it's about having the, the full range of things and really finding that what your range is like, you know, I, I, so to me, like I try to make the dark parts dark too, so that those funny parts, you know, are there, you know, to balance it out sometimes, or, or you know, mm-hmm. they're even funnier in the darkest hour, basically. Yeah, I, I, I really feel that particularly because I guess at one side of the spectrum, we'd have something like trailer shadows, which feels dark. Yeah. And then right. on the other side of the spectrum, like the Galactic Bake Off <laughs> Spectacular. Right. I, Those are happening simultaneously. And I remember yeah. them coming out, like, and I was like, that's my range right there. Like, Trailer Shadow <laughs> to the Bake Off. <laughs> the Jedi Rumble Race is the. I was going to say the Rumble Race, yeah. Yeah, that crosses over, doesn't right. it? Yeah. We see Emmerich in that, and then we see, you know, Ram in Trailer Shadows. And, and that was what I was basically doing, was being like, look yeah. at this flex. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to quickly ask about the, the Galactic Bake Off spectacular. <laughs> where where did that idea come from and how how quickly or how long did it take for you to persuade Michael Siglane to let you to do that? <laughs> you know what the best part about that question is? Mike brought it to me. Oh wow. <laughs> this is I need people to understand what a genius Mike Siglane is. He's so brilliant. Like he's so thoughtful, creative, smart, and brilliant, and just a great person to work with. The baking thing entirely happened because I it was a it was a world building note for me. What I needed was for Starlight to feel like home to someone who hadn't had a home their whole life, Zine, and who was lost and who had just lost the one home they did have. I needed Starlight to feel like home. And what makes more what more makes someone feel at home than baked goods? Um, you know, the answer to that is a little tiny green guy with baked goods is even better. You know? <laughs> and, and, so, and it just became like an in joke. And then I, sometimes it would be like a panel where. 
I just had like, I just would have like cantonment buckets hanging out and, and they needed dialogue. So they'd be like, you know, buckets would be like, no, if you put too much yeast in, it's going to blow the whole thing up. <laughs> but, you know, just like idle nonsense that's important and actually fills a world building function because it, again, makes this place feel really lived in. People cook there, you know, like people mm-hmm. um, talk about recipes there. Like that's a real place that makes it feel real. And so that's that was what it started as, and it kept growing and becoming, you know. And I think the absurdity of someone as huge and ridiculous as Buckets of Blood being a baker <laughs> on, on top of everything else, <laughs> along with Yoda, you know, all that just kind of built. And that's what's so cool about the High Republic, both in terms of the internal process that we have. Like I said, you know, Mike being like, "What if we do a bake off?" Or I don't, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but it definitely came <laughs> from over there. And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it," you know. But also, the fans love that stuff and wanted it, and kind of yeah. like were like, "This would be great." Like the, and then they, the, 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 the it's sort of like the meme, the memification of it all, where they'll take something that we put in a story and turn it into like ten different things online in a really positive, you know, loving way, and it'll take on a life of its own within the fandom. And I think that's yeah. the best thing ever. See, all I heard that Daniel was. You wanted to make Starlight feel lived in and real. So when you destroyed it, it ripped our hearts out. That's right. what I'm hearing. Right, right. I, I don't deny it. It was literally part of the thought. Like it was, it was one half. Like, it worked. I mean, yes. Like, you know, because who cares if it's not, if no one's baking in it, who cares if they drop it? Yeah. Like, it's just a, it's just a thing. It's a symbol. But we yeah. don't care that much about symbols. We care about lived in places. That's mm-hmm. what matters to us, you know. So, you know, I think it's that our collective work as a writer's team was to turn that place that we knew, you know, we knew it was going to happen. And so it was our, our work over the course of phase one. For me, it just also served two functions because I also needed, you know, a home base for the kids yeah. to feel home, you know, and to be like, this matters. Because we keep going back to this place and then we go off on missions and we come back, you know, and it, so it felt like a, a, an anchor point. Can yeah. I request a free comic book day sequel where at the fall of Starlight, book is there frantically trying to save all the flower and, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to catch all the pieces. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, a lot along those lines, recently, uh, very recently, in fact, we had the, the release of the High Republic Adventures Complete Phase 1, um, which I'm still waiting to get my hands on. So I'm looking forward oh, to yeah, finally... Mine binging it again all in one um but how gratifying was it to see all that work that you did in phase one sort of finally collected into one place and do you have any specifically fond memories about writing all of that series i'll tell you when my copy shows up in the mail <laughs> so i've got one and you don't that's correct no i can't believe chris you have one and i don't i know right <laughs> Well, to be fair, it's because I haven't got one from Dark Horse yet, but over here we have a wonderful publisher called Panini, and they've sent me theirs, so maybe you should get on the phone to Panini. Maybe I should, because they're faster than Dark Horse. But anyway, to answer your question, it's funny, I literally went back, I needed a reference from Phase 1 for something in a script I was writing, and so I went back to, like, issue something and and i and i started going through it and i got caught up and i was like oh man like what a time it seems like so long ago we were all kids <laughs> whatever um but i mean i think the thing i'm probably most proud of is the relationships between them all mm-hmm. and like obviously lula and zine i think is a really important one to me because that was sort of yeah. the foundation of the whole thing and i remember you know going to lucasfilm really early on i mean like here's what i want to do and tell me how to do it right or, or 
let me know if there's something in my plan that isn't going to work or whatever, you know, and, and having that conversation from jump. Um, but having, you know, something like a slow burn, I had actually never done that before and I didn't know how it would play. Um, and it was really, really gratifying, like literally just on like, Ooh, I could do it level, you know, to see that it yeah. played out the way I hoped it would. And people were shipping them, you know, along, increasingly along the way and everything. But also I would say like the friendships really hit, yeah. um, yeah, like like it's so important to it, but it's all very subtle because there is a romance at the heart of it. The friendships are a little bit peripheral. Like, you know, Farzala and Court, they are part of the main crew, but they're all they don't get quite as much time as as like. Lula. I mean, Court has his moments. Court, they both have their moments. They do, yeah. and that's what, and that's exactly it. Is that I, because of the long, you know, long um, long game format? Basically, I was able to like take these detours and like not only in a novel you can't do that, and it's it's weird because a novel has as much sprawl as you want, like in terms of space, right? Whereas a comic, like you're really doing 20 pages and that's it, maybe 30 for a special edition, that's it. So it's very like finite and you have 12 or 13 issues in this type of run, finite, boom. A novel you can write for pages and pages, but because of that, you know, in a novel, you really have to stay focused. You have your, you know, I couldn't just like drop a last minute character at the end of Midnight Horizon point of view (laughs) character. You know what I mean? I mean, I dropped it. Yoda character, but, but you know, like you have your point of view characters and those are your point of view characters and that's who you're rocking with. But in a comic, you can, you can move in different directions more. And so it was really fun to be able to be like, oh, wow, we have these two or three issues. Let's follow court. Let's find out court's backstory. Let's find out what's going on with Farzala. Let's give Farzala, you know, this moment to really like get deeper with him. And, and doing that really made me fall in love with those characters in a new way. And also I think strengthen their relationships with each other. Yeah. Great. I mean, what was it like to return to phase two of the High Republic Adventures, especially oh, after the warm reception that phase one received? I mean, did it feel like a return or just part of the same journey? No, it felt very different um, in a good way, though. Like in exactly what you said, like we were in phase one, we were coming into it with no expectations in a way. We just had no idea. Like our reception was incredible when we announced what we were doing. And that, I think, really carried us a lot, you know, into the actual work of it and when it was being released. And then we certainly didn't think it would be as momentous as it's been. Um, And when you're in the work, you're really just doing the work. You know, you're just like, I'm just trying to tell the best story I can tell. And sure, you're thinking, like, I hope people click with this and I hope they connect. And you're, you know, like laughing to yourself about jokes and hoping that other people will, too, whatever. Um, And by and large, they do. You know, that's been so gratifying. But phase two was different because, yeah, we'd done it. You know, we'd done this thing that we set out to do and even more so. What was really cool about it, though, was knowing like I had created a little fandom around Sav. Yeah. And I mean, I'm Sav's biggest fan, but like, you know, like knowing and and she was really interesting. Like I knew she had a really fascinating backstory. I knew she was a rebel her entire life and rebels will rebel wherever you put them, you know. like and So seeing her kind of knowing that she had this kind of head to head matchup with the Jedi order in her past on some level was fascinating to me, especially because it was a, it, her arc is almost the opposite, directly opposite of Lula's in phase one. Like Lula starts out being like, I want to be the best Jedi that I can possibly be. And the last beat for her is I'm not sure if I want to even be a Jedi. Like, I don't know if I want to be knighted. The one thing that I wanted more than anything, Sav is like, I hate the Jedi. When we yeah. meet her. She's like, I'm tired of being a Jedi. <laughs> I want to be a Padawans. part of one birds right i want to be a pirate and she gets somewhere where she's like okay i all this jedi stuff has actually really made me a better pirate so maybe it is good <laughs> you know, like, this, this is kind of great you know like and 
And that, those are both challenges as far as arcs to get them there. But that's what an arc should be. It should be a challenge because it's a challenge for the character, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as I was like, I just want to throw in a bunch of fun, chaotic pirates and have pirate versus pirate stories and have, like, just very chaotic fight scenes. That's all well and good. But if you don't have an arc that's going to pull us through that, it's just it's just chaos. And that it's, itself can't carry a series. I mean, if I could just throw in another question, which isn't phase, but it, no, it isn't adventures related, but... It's comic related, kind of. Edge of Balance Volume Two. Yeah. Was it your decision to kill the guy? I can't cut the bad one. I can't remember. It was not, Kieran. It was not. Yes, that was that. that was handed to me. That particular death. They said here because that that, that was a gut punch. That whole oh, thing yeah, was a I know. gut punch. I know. I know. It was brutal. I, know. I was like, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, some some deaths they give you and some you take. And that was definitely one, you know, because I was stepping into that series. Um, yeah. That just started. And and really like the like uh, Shima Shinya and the whole creative team behind that at Viz is like they're very involved with that. Um, and but I think that death we might want to give it to, let's say, Lucasfilm. OK. OK. Is that who gets um, the blame? <laughs> I love those Edge of Balance books, though. I feel like that they're the, oh, the most underrated Hope I appreciate oh, so much fun. Yeah, yeah precedent. I, precedent was amazing. Was, as well. Precedent was wild, right? Like I didn't. That was a whole type of story I never thought I'd be able to tell with that long, yeah. like a mouse and everything. And I really enjoyed it. They're they're a pleasure to work with. Uh, they're great, and it's it's so different from everything else, but it still kind of fits in the world, you know. Yeah, I hope they keep on going in phase three. Oh yeah, we got good stuff ahead for that. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so at at the top I think maybe even before we started recording we were having a little reminisce about um, Star Wars Celebration Uh, see me and Chris had the fortune of being there because it was in the UK and one of the personal highlights both for for us and a lot of the fans was the High Republic cosplay meetup outside where we got to come and chat to a lot of you guys and we got to see people in their cosplay um what was it like seeing and meeting so many different people who embraced the high republic characters to that level yeah it was life-changing i mean it was really life-changing i, I was i was telling y'all i was just Alyssa and i were just talking about this um because we just chat randomly about everything but um but we were both just saying like oh my god like how was that even real like it, it almost feels like a surreal uh, like an out-of-body experience and like what I guess is the most wild about that is that's certainly not the first time something like that has happened on multiple levels. Like I've been in front of huge and even larger than that audiences. And I've even done celebration with the High Republic before. And I remember saying after Anaheim, uh, that was a life-changing experience because it was, you know, like, and this was on a whole other level. It, it's, it's almost like what I was saying about mm-hmm. sequels. Like a sequel has to like up the ante, <laughs> expand the world and, and heighten everything. Yeah. And this really did. Like I wasn't, I went in again, I went in with kind of no, no idea what to expect. I hoped, you know, it would be exciting, but you never know. Um, and from the panel, the fan reaction at the panel to, you know, Leslie Headland showing up and all yeah, of that was amazing. so mind blowing. Mm. Totally just really showed us how much the high Republic has moved beyond us, but in the best way. I love that. You know, I mean, I love high Republic. Um, uh, not Harry, but the Young Jedi Adventures is so fantastic, and like all of that, just seeing that and being a part of that is so cool. And not even in an ego way, like it's not like yeah, I did that. It's like wow, I'm a part of that. You know, like I get yeah. to, I get to be like, I get to play in that sandbox too, and it's so much fun. Um, but then yeah, there's there's nothing in my life that's compared to those moments of 
being with like all those excited cosplayers and fans and readers. And and the fact that it happened for books, you know, is so momentous and important. Like that really like hasn't happened in that way before and not to this degree. And that's truly Mm. a milestone and just so heartening, you know, like, and to see people so positive and so inclusive and so excited and so creative, you know, like they really take our work and they run with it. And that's, that's the best thing for an artist. Yeah, it was it was really crazy being there because um, me and Chris we both weren't in cosplay, but seeing right. so many High Republic cosplays and people getting like so, and we were the same, getting so excited, running yeah. around with books, getting you guys to sign books, <laughs> which in in a world like Star Wars, which is known for the films, seeing that level of excitement and dedication to the books totally. was really heartwarming as a book reader. So it's just yeah. Like, yeah, it was amazing to see. The thing that I found really eye-opening was the fact of obviously, if you're a Star Wars fan and you, you you if you're aware of the online communities and stuff like that, it can be quite a negative place. Um, and one thing that I learned from Celebration is that is just a vocal minority. The amount of like mm-hmm. love and positivity at, at Celebration mm-hmm. was mind-blowing. It completely reaffirmed my fandom and it made me really proud of the book community as well. Same, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, it was just so, it was so amazing, you know, like just seeing that, being in it, feeling it, um, looking around at the faces, like seeing the creativity, like, you know, it just, it does, it does, it's the moment, you know, it's the moment at, what is it, the end of um, Rise of Skywalker when they're like, there's more of us than there are of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's real. That's what it felt like. I know people have memed that and it's just because it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, today, actually, uh, maybe not when people are listening to this, but the day that we're recording this saw the release of the young adult anthology tales of light and life. So yes. congratulations. Obviously you've got a story in that. Um, I've had the fortune of reading it already. I oh, absolutely, I absolutely loved Ram's story in it. I thought oh, it was wonderful. It was one of my personal good. highlights. Um, oh, I'm very happy to hear that. How, how did it, how did it feel firstly sort of writing that story? that sort of being part of that anthology and the place yeah. that it represents that that you guys as a group of authors are um and maybe just if you can what could people expect from ram's story in tales of light and life yeah yeah great question i'm glad you brought it up because it's a really really fun and great anthology and it's so cool to be part of it well, it was hard in a way i had to sort of rip myself out of i was finishing up phase two and prepping for phase three in terms of my process when i wrote it so it was a very weird experience. Like I'd really put that whole phase one to rest, you know what I mean? And then suddenly I had yeah. to be like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If Ram is on Starlight, that means that Yoda has to be gone. Uh, Buckets is Buckets is hanging out with them. Uh, like we haven't met Crash yet. You know, I just like putting all those pieces yeah. back together was a trip, man. Um, so that part was just its own thing. But also... I really knew going into it, I was like, "This, I really just want this to be a very, like, happy story overall. Even though yeah. it's, there's sadness in it, you know, this is not a story where they're going to be in any danger of life and limb. Like, this is really, again, this is about their friendships, right? And one friendship that we sort of see happening in the background but never really explore is Ram and Zine. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are two, those two are like two of the newcomers to Starlight. And so they have a lot in common. They have a lot of experiences that they could share with each other. And I really wanted them to kind of like, Zine is like this really cool kid to Ram, but everyone yeah. is a cool kid to Ram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, Zine is a particular kind of cool kid. Like we see it in Midnight Horizon. 
And he's like, man, you're just so effortless. Like everything you do, you just kind of float around and do all this cool singing and whatever. You, it's like you don't care. And of course, Zine cares a lot, you know, um, and Ram is sort of understanding that. So I wanted to have the two of them in there and to really let them explore their emotions you know and mm. and be homesick you know and but also feel at home at the same time like we can be both of those things at the same time and, and sometimes that's confusing so we don't let ourselves feel either of them but we're feeling both of them really intensely and uh i i just wanted that to sort of be able to and then and then just have a good time and see the padawans living their lives and f- having fun and sparring yeah. and making fun of each other and all that stuff yeah, it was it was a wonderful story because obviously the collection itself is quite an eclectic mix of different kinds yes. of stories. Like you've one minute you've got like uh, you know an incredibly intense Tessa Grattan story, um, yeah. uh, and then the next minute you know it's it's something like like yours, which so it's a really really satisfying collection of stories. Uh, so well done. <laughs> Did the versions you guys get have Alyssa's story in it? No, because we can't um, get it in the UK. Unfortunately not. Yeah, okay. unfortunately not. We're, we're, it's, it's we're going to have to try and track it down somehow. No, yeah. it's not in the UK because uh, we don't have we don't uh, have Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Can you have okay. a word with someone about that, actually, please? <laughs> no, I have, I have. I mean, we've talked about it. I think they're trying. They are. They're definitely trying to figure out a way. I, I, I don't know where they're at about it. They're always trying yeah. to figure out a way. Yeah. No one's ever like, ah, the UK, they'll be fine. Like, they wanted to happen. <laughs> Yeah, well, we yeah. definitely want to get hold of that because we're massive Alyssa uh, fans from Doctor Afro, so we do want to uh, read Dr. that. Doctor is our yeah. favorite. That story is so good, and it has like tendrils that lead into the Phase Three stuff. So, Ooh. oh, don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So for your, for your uh, U.S. listeners, find a Barnes and Noble now. Yeah. <laughs> if if they just release it digitally, like I'm happy just to have the digital version of that. You know what I mean? So I, I can just read that story. But whatever. I agree. I'll, I'll figure out a way. You will. Uh, I know you will. Uh, so sort of a, a couple of like more light and fun questions, if that's okay, just yeah. to kind of wrap yeah. this up. So if you had to recommend one Star Wars book or comic to read that isn't yours, obviously, what would right. it be and why? That's a tricky one. One, okay, book. Uh, uh, I guess, uh, I think I might say Light of the Jedi. I think yeah. it does such a great job encapsulating what yeah. we're doing with the higher public and also the larger Star Wars mission, you know, really like is it has so much in it. It's it's huge and it just it's a perfect jumping in point. Like it really, you know, there's yeah, it's a fantastic book. I remember reading it, you know, and Colin Charles immediately just being like, dude, yeah, you killed it. Like I was just so excited because it was so good and I knew yeah. immediately that like that with that as our kind of like flagship in that moment, it was really gonna explode, and it did. It did, yeah. It was a n- number one New York Times bestseller, wasn't it? So yeah, it was so huge. I mean, maybe I could just add to that. Um, obviously, you you've spent a lot of time writing in the comic space as well for for both Marvel and for Dark Horse and IDW. Is there a particular Star Wars comic as well that you would, that you would recommend? <laughs> yeah, maybe off the hook, huh? Jeez. Yeah. Um, We've got a lot of comic listeners, so you know. I know, I know. I love them all so much. I I, I read them like crazy. Um, some of my favorite, jeez, man. Uh, uh, I mean, I definitely love the main run uh, yeah. across the board. I've, yeah. I've I always follow the main run. 
obviously I love Charles's work on it. Um, you know, Kieran's was fantastic. Kieran Gillen is one of is that am I saying it right? I, I don't want to butcher I, his name. I, I thought it was Gillen, but it could be Gillen. You guys are British, so you should know. Oh, is he British? Oh. I'd say Gillen. Isn't he? Then. I'd say Gillen then if he's British. Right. If he's British, yeah. I think he's British. <laughs> he's one of my favorite comic book writers. I should know, but I love I love his work and I love his Afro. I love all the Afros. I, you know, I, yeah. I love Alyssa's Afro, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so I have no good answer, except I would say the main Star Wars run and all all of those and all of Dr. Afro. Boom. Cha-cha. I mean, that's pretty much our answers, isn't it, Dan? So Yeah, I think that would probably be ours as well. So. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and anything that has the ball guy from uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> it's a giant robot ball. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that guy, but we're, every time he comes on, we like message each other going, the ball guy's in this one. Um, <laughs> that's hysterical. I love yeah. it. Uh, sorry. The, the one that, um, that Kieran did with Cy Spurrier, like they teamed up on Afro when he was passing the torch. Oh, yeah, Screaming Citadel, was it? Uh, no, I think it was before... Oh, no, yeah, it no, was the... Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the third Afro... It's the one where they go on a crazy mission, and they, they have... I think it's the one with the exploding little creatures. Yeah, the one with the exploding Lothcats. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah that was good, that one was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then, like I said, obviously, everything Alyssa's been doing is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started. And then the High Republic, like the main room, Cavs doing amazing work there. Look, just look, keep keep moving. Next question. Sorry, I got myself <laughs> in the okay. <laughs> okay, so if you could choose any Star Wars character to write, Oof, who would it be? Okay. And what I thought this was the light and fun section. This shit is hard. It's fun for us. I mean, the reason this is hard for me, and this is a flex, I recognize that, is because because I've written all the ones I really want to. Yeah. Like, I've really gotten to, like, write, for the most part, basically. I, you know, I would love to write Luke. I have, I have not written Luke much. Yeah. And I, I I would have a good time with that. I, I really feel like it would be really hard. He's a really hard character to crack. I think Charles has done an amazing job. It's really fun seeing him in Afro. I think Alyssa's done great work with him, too. Yeah. Um, I, would like to, I would like to take a stab at Luke, you know, on some level, because I definitely was a Luke kid. As a Luke and a Han kid growing up, I would go back and forth, clearly. Um, as like a Luke with a Han rising. But, you know, I, I would like Luke. I think that's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. I mean, yeah. if I can add to that. So I've, had, I've asked this question to a couple of different authors now. And Justina Ireland and Sam Maggs both mentioned their own characters teaming up with Afra. So, oh, yeah. So Merrin, Merrin, yes. Sam Maggs, and who was it for Justina? Oh, it was Diva Lompop. Diva, Diva Lompop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Diva um, Lompop, of course. Yeah. Who would you team up with Afra? Oh, that's a great question. Other than Crash, because that would be chaos. That would be absolute chaos, and Crash is quite dead. But yeah, I know, but like, I guess, we can figure it out. Oh, if we're not, then it would be um, Sav. Sav Malagan okay. and Dr. Oh. Afra. And I mean, we don't know, technically, we don't know how long, um, what's it called, live, so... Maybe who knows? Yeah, they'd cause a bit of chaos together. Those two. Oh my god, it would be absolute, absolute <laughs> madness. Like, I, but you, you want to see it? Like, you just know throw you chopper in there as well. Make it super chaos. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Great. Well, that sort of brings us uh, towards the end. We don't want to, we don't want to keep you too long. Uh, but thank you so much for all your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, oh, Daniel. It really yeah. has. Thank you. The pleasure's been mine. It's been really great. 
And just just before we wrap up, uh, in terms of stuff that you've got going on, where people can find you online. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, okay, because I always forget. Um, so my website is danieljoseolder.net. Um, all my books are up on there. I have an old blog from back in the day up on there. I also have writing classes on there that I teach online um, through a site called Skillshare. So that's one place. Um, the other place that you can find me a lot right now is Substack. Um, I actually have a new podcast I do with my wife about writing and parenting. It's yes. called Ink Bottle. Check that out. Uh, we're about, I think we're dropping the third episode today, actually. Um, and then I'd, I've been uh, actually drawing a lot. So if you want to find my drawings, a lot of those are on, I post them around everywhere, but the actual comics uh, I'm starting to post on Substack as well. Um, so if you look up my name in Substack, you can find me really easily. And that's, that's where I'm at. Great. And sorry, quickly, if there's yeah. one of your non-Star Wars books you would recommend oh, to yeah. your Star Wars fans, which one should we go pick up? Yeah, an excellent question. I would say, I can't find it. It should be right here. It's called Ballad and Dagger. Uh, yeah, it came out okay. yeah. last year. Uh, came out from Rick Riordan's imprint at um, Disney. And um, I, I love that book. I'm really proud of it. It's a very... Um, not even showing video, so I don't know why I'm trying to find this. Ballad and Dagger. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, you well, we to, saw it. Up, but... We saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, Ballad and Dagger is a it's a really special story to me, and it's it's but it's also has pirates and mythology and lots of chaotic city battles and all kinds of cool stuff. And, and at the heart of it is true love and magic. So pick it up, find it. It's a duology called The Outlaw Saints. The second book just came out um, earlier this year. It's called Last Canto of the Dead. And uh, that completes the duology. So it's a full story. If you're one of those people that needs it to be all out before you pick it up, you can pick it up now. Sounds Great. wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. It's thank been an absolute guys. pleasure. And uh, all the best of luck with everything that you're doing in phase three coming up. Uh, thank you. Let's do it again soon. Brilliant. So, Chris, that was a, that was a pretty exciting episode. <laughs> yeah, mate, that was crazy. <laughs> so what... Um, the listeners won't know is that before we even started recording daniel came on the call and just immediately started telling us star wars gold and we were like what and we hadn't <laughs> even started recording yet or said hello to him oh uh, yeah that was, so, a, sorry that, was about that. that was a lot of fun i hope everyone listening really enjoyed that as much as as much as we enjoyed chatting to daniel jose Elder. he is absolutely great uh and if you haven't read all his star wars work you need to it's great fun um so Firstly, I've been Dan at Vader's Castle Library on Instagram, and we've also had the wonderful Chris here at SW Book Collector. Yeah, hello. <laughs> I mean, goodbye. I mean, <laughs> or goodbye. <laughs> um, and if you've enjoyed this, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, you make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. We release canon catch-up episodes every week where we're running through the entirety of canon publishing in release order so hopefully that will never stop because it will keep on going and then we also have a weekly show legends library uh, where we're going through the entirety of the legends continuity in chronological in timeline order uh, so stay tuned to them we also have our comics monthly shows we have exciting uh, main shows uh, sort of maybe fortnightly with lots of different interested topics uh, Johnny has been doing a series interviewing Star Wars academics, which has been really interesting as well. And which did we stay away from? Exactly, because we'll cause too much chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is the second of our author interviews, and hopefully not the last. We've got a few more that we're working on trying to nail down, so stay tuned for more author interviews as well. And if I can just quickly jump in and say, um, we really appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, we get 
really good listens for every episode now. So it's, it's, it's building and the more it builds, the more contributors we can get and the more great content we can get out to you guys. So if we could just ask for you to like every post, uh, and share share our episodes that you've enjoyed. If you particularly enjoyed one, share it amongst your friends, your Facebook, your, your Star Wars groups, wherever. Because the more we grow, the more we can give you guys. Thank you again. Yeah, brilliant. So thank you very much for listening to this episode, and may the force be with you. Bye.